Well, hi. <laughs> I am Claire Mulrooney. I am married to Steve and my beautiful parents-in-law are down here on the front row, my biggest cheerleaders today. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's great to be here. And um, today we're going to be um, digging into the second part of our three-part series on Give, Serve, and Restore. And if you're new to our church this morning, we are part of a collaboration of churches in this area that through Lent, give and serve intentionally into our community to breathe hope and life and see restoration and ultimate, ultimately transformation. Amen. So, so this morning we're kind of unpacking the second part, and I was given serve as the title, <laughs> and that was it. So I am bringing to you this morning just what God has laid on my heart, um, what I felt like he wanted to say to us. So I have recently been stalking a lady, <laughs> I'm a stalker, uh, <laughs> called Jill Briscoe, and she's a Brit. And as I said this morning, you've got to love a Brit, right? <laughs> and uh, and um, she is a lady who is about 80, in her 80s right now. And she was born into war-torn England in Liverpool. And she, um, she said yes to Jesus for the very first time in a bomb shelter as a little girl in, a, in the complete dark while she listened to the community above her being bombed to pieces. And if you read about her life, she has just spent her whole life simply saying yes to Jesus, simply saying yes to his next step. And she has an, she's an ordinary lady, and if she's hilarious if you actually listen to her speak, um, but she, everywhere she's gone, she has seen massive transformation of the community around her, one person at a time that she's come into contact with. And she shared a story, I listened to her two months ago, and this story was brand new. So this lady's in her 80s, and her and her husband had just been to India. And they were doing a ministry trip, and it was tough, it was really hard, it was hot, and it was, she was talking about being bitten a ton, and her husband was speaking, and they hadn't really seen the results that they'd hoped for. And she said she sat in that meeting, and she said to God, I'm done, I'm so tired, I just wanna go home, I wanna put my feet up, I wanna see my grandkids, I wanna be in air conditioning, and I'm done. I'm 80. I've done my time. And she said that this is what came to her as she sat there. She said, then a voice so dear, familiar, asked a question, pierced me through. Who is it that you're expecting to carry your cross home for you? Jesus, Jesus, please forgive me. Carry thou your cross for me all the way to hell to save us. Help me carry mine for thee. I'm no hero, no special woman, just a lady old and gray. But my cross, Lord, I will carry. Home, Lord, home, Lord, all the way. Spoke his voice so quiet, but clearly then. All the way home, Jill. All the way home. And I listened to her, and I felt incredibly challenged. And I started to wrestle with this question. How do we serve Jesus all the way home well? How do we stay moldable and keep saying yes to him with a, with, with a right heart in every season, whether we're young, whether we've got toddlers and babies and diapers coming out of our ears, whether we are in our 80s and we're still going strong for the Lord? Because he gave us a mandate and a mission to live on this earth that doesn't end until we die. Right. Amen? 
And I know that as I start to talk about serving, I start to talk about this, there's a whole bunch of reactions. Because we have gut reactions to serving, right? There's people in the room who are saying to me right now, oh my gosh, she's going to stand here for 25 minutes and tell us that we need to serve more, and we need to be more compassionate, and we need to give more, and we need to keep giving and giving and giving. And there are people in the room who feel like, you know what, I am giving everything I've got, and I've got nothing else to give. And there are people that are thinking, life is really hard, and I'm in the trenches, and it feels just like I'm being battered, and I barely have what it takes to just live, let alone give or serve. And there are people in the room who are like eager, right? They, that the stuff we're talking about right now is we plant a new church and we have two new churches coming up and growing and new life is being birthed. You're like, yes, I'm all about it. Let, let's go. But maybe you haven't counted the cost yet of what that actually means for you. And there are people that maybe feel like you don't know where you fit or where your place is or what God is actually saying, and you don't feel like he's speaking to you, and you want him to, you're willing, but you just aren't hearing him. And when we talk about serving, frustration comes to the table. Let's be honest, you know, there are people, the statistic for church is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's the statistic, right? And then there are people that are frustrated because, that again, there's, you know, another sign-up sheet. They want us to do more, <clears throat> Right? I have good news for you this morning, though. I have not come to tell you to serve more. I haven't. Because I can tell you to serve more, and it will do nothing for you. The question is not whether we serve. The question is how and when and what. And I can't answer that question for you. But God has something to say to us this morning. Each and every one of us, no matter what place we come Whatever, wherever our shoes are standing this morning, whatever place our heart sits in, wherever in that spectrum you land, God has something for you this morning. And I want us to look this morning at Jesus, right? We're in the Easter week, and what, what better person to learn about servanthood from than Jesus? You know, Jesus existed in the form of God, and yet he chose to strip himself, to humble himself, to empty himself of all his divinity, to walk on this earth like you and me. And so this morning, as we come to this topic, he stands in your shoes. He knows what it's like in your very life, what it's like for you to get up tomorrow morning. He knows where you're at. Sometimes I think we can feel like Jesus, you know, okay, we can learn some lessons, but quite frankly, it's unattainable, right? I mean, he was Jesus. He was God's son. He's not really like me. But the only but in this equation is that God did come, that he sent his son to walk on the earth like you and me. And he chose over and over again to walk out the plan and the mission that God had given him. And today is Palm Sunday when we remember that Jesus came into Jerusalem. You know, they crowned him as king and they sang Hosanna. And we remember his journey to the cross, okay? This week of Easter, we, we think about him going to the temple, and we think about him talking to his disciples of what, what it meant to be great in the kingdom, and we remember him coming to the Last Supper and celebrating the Passover with his disciples. And this morning, the, the scripture that God gave me um, was just a couple of verses right in the middle of these passages, and they're simple and profound, And it's where Jesus enters the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And so I want you to turn with me if you have a Bible, maybe you have an ancient version in the book form, maybe you have an on your phone, or you can follow up here. But we're going to turn to Luke 22, 39 to 46. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples, and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not, be t- so that you will not fall into temptation. And these script- this scripture is you know, right before Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to be trialed, and he's going to be crucified. It's right before he died the most brutal, horrible death that we could imagine, where he was mocked and beaten and spat at so that you and I didn't have to. He walked out the greatest act of servanthood this world has ever known. And what do we find him doing? You know, if I was Jesus, I would have been running for the hills. I would have been hiding because he was aware that Judas was out there and he'd gone to plot against him. He was aware that he was being plotted against and being about to arrested. And he, what did he do? He went to the place that he usually went to. He didn't hide. He didn't try to find a plan B. He went to the garden. He went to get away from the crowd and the noise. To do what? to be in the presence of his Father. And the first lesson for us when we think about serving well to the end is that before all things, before we do anything, what is paramount is being in the presence of our Father. Why? Because in 1 Peter 4 it says that anyone who serves should serve with the strength that God gives, so that in everything God will be praised and glorified through Jesus Christ. Because glory and power belong to him forever and ever. You know, we can serve and we can do good and we can run with our great ideas. But if we skip this part, if we don't dedicate time to be in the presence of God before everything that we do, we will burn out. We will serve and we will get stressed and we will get tired and we'll get fed up and we'll become selfish and we won't want to do it anymore. Grace comes from God and that comes when we get face to face with our Father, not necessarily in the corporate, but in the quiet, in the secret place where nobody else sees you doing it. You know, I I have come to realize recently in my life that the biggest lie that I have believed up to this point in my life is that I'm too busy. I'm too busy and my life is too full to actually carve out time to get into the garden, to find time for my garden of Gethsemane. You know, I'm a mom of four and it is full on. (laughs) You know, there's there's not spare time. But I realized quickly that to to live out the mandate on my life, I have got to, got to, it's not negotiable, get into the presence of God every day. I have a place on my back deck and I sit on sunny days, just in the morning, the sun beats on this one chair 
And I've started to try and get into this rhythm of sitting there and just sitting and letting the sun like beat on my face. And remember in that moment before anything else that God loves me, that the warmth of who he is fills me and that out of that I can be propelled to serve. And Jesus says that he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Guys, it's not a crisis moment. He didn't go to the Mount of Olives because suddenly he was facing this huge event. He went there every day. He went out and taught, and he ministered, and he healed the sick, and he cast out demons, and he infected his community around him with the love of his father. But every day, he came back to receive from his father. It's foundational. We can't talk about seeing transformation in this community around us. We can't talk about seeing people come to Jesus if that transformation is not happening in you and me. Revival happens in us first. It happens in our lives first, in our hearts first, in receiving from the Father first, because then we take that transformation, that we're being transformed more into the image of God, and that is what our community interacts with when we turn up at the hairdresser tomorrow morning, and when we go to the grocery store, and when we go to our office tomorrow morning and we love our kids tomorrow morning that is what comes it's the transformation in us first it won't happen if we rely on our pastors to hear the lord it happens by you and me getting into the presence first individually and seeking his face for what you and i have to do in this next season because in the garden is where we come face to face with the love of the father beyond before everything else you know, Bob has taught me more about this than ever in the last season of my life, right? That, that before everything, we need to know that we're loved. We don't need to do anything to receive his love. We get affirmation from just being in his presence. He doesn't love me for what I do. He loves me for me because <laughs> he made me. You know, we, we step away from the noise and we hear his voice. Not the voices of our culture, not the voices of our politics, not the voices of our family or any sphere of influence in this world. We hear his voice first and foremost. We exchange who we see ourselves for who he sees us as. We exchange our can'ts for his cans. We gain approval from him. We develop humility. This is the only place in the Bible that Jesus was on his knees in prayer. There is no other place that he was on his knees. The Jewish custom of the time to pray was to put your hands up and have your eyes wide open. But in this moment, he knew. He was wrestling with his father. He was receiving from his father, and he was wrestling and being honest, and he was on his knees, and humility is birthed in the secret place. It's where we get God ideas and not just good ideas. It's where hope rises to meet the faithfulness of God. It's where faith rises to pray prayers that we can't pray on our own understanding. It's where we learn to love the unlovable, to touch the untouchable, to give beyond our desire and to say yes to God's good things, his best things, and to say no to good things that aren't his best for the time and the season that you're in right now. It's where his master plan is fulfilled. Because if we all come to him individually and we receive his best for you and for me and for where we're at, Guess what? God's plan is perfect. His plan to see our church grow and to, pe- to interact with people that don't know Jesus, 
we're all going to meet with different people, and he has a perfect plan for that to come together if we're all listening individually. Serving alone results in good ideas. And they'll see some results. But when we talk about transformation of a community the way that God wants to transform it, it has to be about him first. It can't simply be doing good things for good things' sake. And if we only go into the presence and we don't have an outpouring of that, then we receive inaction. And we receive and receive and receive and receive and receive, and nothing happens around us. And the mission of God isn't fulfilled. There's no way around it. And I don't want to sound legalistic and harsh, but I felt in here this morning that God is saying in the season, we have got to get serious about this bit of his plan. If we want to see our transformation in this community, you and me have to get serious about getting into his presence when nobody else is around and doing the hard work of our hearts. The second part in this scripture is that God talks a lot about temptation. He says to his disciples, pray that you will not be overcome by temptation. Pray that you won't be fall into temptation. Lesson number two about serving well all the way to the end is to acknowledge that we will be tempted. In the, uh, the other, um, this, this Garden of Gethsemane is written about in, um, in uh, Mark. And in Mark's account, Jesus prays three times Pray that we will not fall into temptation. Pray that we will not fall into temptation. Jesus is in the garden wrestling and knowing that he has to pray in the presence of his Father not to fall into temptation. Because when we serve well, it's hard. And we are going to face the ugliness of our hearts. And we are going to face the selfishness. Because servanthood challenges selfishness. It challenges pride. It challenges fear. It challenges convenience. It challenges consumerism. It challenges prejudice. It challenges is every single right that this world has told us that we have as a human being. In the presence of God is where we get strengthened to overcome the war of our humanity in the light of the mandate of the mission of God for us on this earth. Our sole purpose is to know him and to make him known. Where do we take those temptations? In the garden. We take them to that secret place. We have to carve out time. We have to find a way. And you know, for me, I know that this is hard, and I started to pray this, and God has started to wake me up in the middle of the night. And I initially was like, oh, i got to get sleep. I have so little sleep as it is, right? But guys, I can't tell you that I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and that is the secret time. My entire family is asleep, and I pray like I've never prayed before. And I don't feel tired on those nights when I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. <laughs> and then what does it go on to say? It says that serving well means surrender to a loving father. Jesus, in this passage, it says that Jesus said, he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And how many times do we sing songs in worship or we hear that phrase, not your will, but mine, yeah, sorry, <laughs> yes to you and not mine, right? Your will and not my will. 
And as I was reading this um, scripture this week, I felt like God really just showed me this really significant thing, that we sometimes forget the bit that came first. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus is in the garden. He's sweating blood. He's wrestling it out with his father because you know why? He doesn't want to go to the cross. In his humanity, he wants a plan B because he's saying, Father, if you're willing, and that word willing in the original text means preference. Father, if it's your preference, please take this cup from me. Please find another way. Don't let me receive the wrath, your wrath on my life in place of all these people. He's honest. And the thing that I have just seen and I know in my own life is that we cannot surrender if we are not honest. We can't pray with our whole heart, your will, not mine, if we've not first stated our preference and where we're truly at. Because in that moment of honesty is when we truly invite his full, full place, the the kingship of our heart. And you know, I I, I was going to share a personal story um, as Bruce has said, Steve and I and our family are getting ready to go into full-time missions with Youth of Mission. And um, about 18 months ago, before I knew any of this and before I even knew it was on the horizon or that God was speaking this to us, I had this moment in our house. And I was cleaning. I love to pray when I clean because there's nothing else to do. Other than clean. I mean, cleaning is so boring. Um, uh, it's probably why I don't do enough cleaning in our house. But anyway, um, but I was stood in our house and I was cleaning and I felt like God grasped my attention. Everybody was gone at school and work and I was alone. And I felt like God, I just started to do a 360 in the middle of our home. And I felt like God just started to say, isn't this good? Isn't it? Don't you love it here? And I was like, I do. I'm so grateful for this home. Thank you. You know, like, I was like, love it. It's wonderful. Look at the land. And, it, you know, the sun was beaming in. It was so wonderful. And I was so grateful. And, um, and then he said to me, but would you give it up for me? And I was like, I mean, sure. Sure. In theory. <laughs> you know, I felt like he just kept. And he said again, you know, no, no, like, I mean, for real. Like, would you give it up for me? And for those of you who don't know me, I'm somebody that likes to keep a nice home. I'm somebody that loves interior design, and my whole business is based on interior design. I run a business with a friend on in, with interior design, and I, I love making home. I love, I love that stuff. And I felt like him say to me, you know, it's good. It's good. There's nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with it at all. But would you give it up for me? It's like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. (laughs) And this process went on for a couple of weeks. And eventually I was sat in our house again by myself. And I had this moment. And in tears I said, you know what? Yes, I will give this up for you. Like truly in my heart of hearts, I will give this up for you. It makes me emotional to even talk about it because it's such a deep-rooted heart thing for me. What I didn't know at that point was that today, 18 months later, he was going to call us into missions and that we'd be selling our house and that we'd be moving our family into an 800-square-foot apartment with four kids, right? But this is the truth, and I can say this honestly before the Lord, that it's not hard for me to walk away from our two-and-a-half acres and our six-bedroom house. 
And it's not bad. Those things are not bad. But for the mandate on our life, God knew he had to wrestle with my heart. Right? I had to give that up. But it took honesty and saying, no, I don't really want to give it up. And in that place, he makes this exchange. And this is what I love about the Garden of Gethsemane, that Jesus sets this example for us. That number one, we have to choose to be disciplined to go to the garden. We have to choose to be disciplined to get in the presence of our Father, first and foremost, above our families, above our husbands and wives, above everything else in our life. That comes first. And then in that place, we wrestle out those tensions of servanthood. And we wrestle out the things in our heart that are still holding us, in, in, uh, that are still taking the kingship over our life. And we watch an exchange in that place of honesty. And out of that exchange, God's desire and his best plan for us comes to fruition. And we watch transformation happen in our lives and transformation happen in the people around us. And so this morning, I want to ask you, how is your garden? How is the rhythm of going to the garden truly for you? In this season, as we seek to serve and we seek to see people come to know Jesus and we want to see a new level of transformation in our community, how serious, like honestly, how serious are you about this stuff? How regularly are you getting into the presence of God outside of these four walls? And I know that God talks to us all the time, and there's a hundred buts with this talk. You know, I know there's tons of, and I haven't gone into them because there's not time. But I think there's something really significant about carving out time to receive grace and love and the fullness of our Father, because that is what propels us. And so this morning, I didn't come to tell you to serve more. If I came to tell you anything, it's to get into the presence of God in a secret place by yourself when no one's watching, because in that place, he will motivate you to serve. He will give you the keys to serve. He will tell you where to serve and where to go and how to do it. Amen? Amen. And so I wanted to end this morning, I just after this, the first one, I, I would love us to shut our eyes. And I would love you this morning, if you are truly committed to seeing transformation in our community, and you want to say yes to God this morning, wherever you're at, whatever place you're at, doesn't matter what place you're at, we all need to go to the garden. In every season of our life, we need to go to the garden. God has something to speak to our hearts in that place. And it's not about comparison. It's about freedom to be who he's made us to be so that whoever we interact with comes into interaction with the living God. If you are committed this morning, if you want to say yes to God in this moment and make a mark and say, you know what, from here on out, I am putting you first and I want to receive from you first, I just want you to stand as a symbolic act this morning. No one's going to look at you doesn't matter about the people around you. And if you're not ready, that's okay. And we're going to pray. God, we are so grateful for you. We are so grateful for your love and your kindness and your joy. We are so grateful that we even have the opportunity to come into your presence and to have relationship with you. Thank you that you are making us into your image. 
more and more every day. And today we want to say that we want to serve you well all the way home, all the way home. We want to receive from you so that we can be propelled to serve and keep serving and never give up and do it with grace and mercy and love in whatever capacity you're calling us so that you would become known in this world and we would see your mission fulfilled on this earth. Jesus, we commit to you that we want to become addicted with your presence addicted. There's something in us that can't, we can't not go to see you every day and sit and receive and be, f- be filled up to serve. We love you, God. We love you with our whole heart. Amen. Thank you, Claire. Uh, Claire has been given grace from the Lord to um, get into the secret place of intimacy with the Lord. And if you struggle with that, um, I'm sure she'll pray with you. Be happy to pray with you. So you guys can come up. If, if that's you and you want some extra prayer for that, come on up. Healing, uh, physical healing over here um, by the grace of God over here. Prophetic ministry as we do every time after the service. So God bless you guys. Don't forget the food and the sign up for the mission in the atrium.